This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. With exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, the Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Well, welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast, where we want to have conversations about Christ and all the scriptures for every church. And so today I have with me, again, as we talk about the book of Jonah, I have with me John Aiken, as always, I also have with me Josh Redberg and Matt Caps. Uh, brothers, thanks so much for being on. And so in the last episode, we talked about Jonah chapter 2, and now we're going to jump in uh, to Jonah chapter 3. And so, Josh, going to come to you first. Uh, give us kind of an overview of the chapter, any kind of textual questions, just a, a brief description for those who might be driving around or running or doing all, anything they might do while they listen to podcasts. Yeah, it's a pretty straightforward chapter, probably of the four chapters in Jonah, the simplest one. Jonah makes it to Nineveh. Um, God gives him a message. He, he goes through the city. He preaches that message, and uh, the the king and the people respond to the message with repentance. It's really a beautiful picture of repentance. It begins in verse 5 by saying they believed God, and then they sort of walk through this process, grieving their sin, they, they're humble, they surrender everything. It's sort of fascinating that, uh, you know, even the beasts of the field, their flocks aren't allowed to eat or drink when they fast. And I think it's just a picture of sort of everything belongs to God. Everything is off limits. All we're concerned about is casting ourselves on his mercy. The king tells them to pray mightily. Um, and then to actually turn from their wicked ways, which, you know, that's the heart of repentance, and then abandon any effort of their own, to try to make things right, but call to God and cast themselves on his mercy. And it ends very simply in verse 10, that God sought that he turned, that they had turned from their evil way. And so God turned from the disaster he had said he would do to them. He did not do it. So really a straightforward and clear picture of uh, people who repent and receive forgiveness and mercy. Matt, anything you would add to the summary or, or big kind of textual things you, you tackled when you preached this? I, I remember there, there were two particular things that really struck me as I, as I was preaching Jonah three, it, you have this idea that God, um, God and Jonah want the same thing. They want Nineveh to be overthrown. The difference is, Jonah wants Nineveh to be thrown over, overthrown in judgment and God in grace and mercy. Uh, and uh, what what was particular striking to me as I preached it was, uh, like Josh just mentioned, the um, just the, the, the seemingly deep repentance of the Ninevites, right? They um, Their evil had come up before the Lord. We saw that in chapter one. And then um, you get to the point where uh, it says that the people of Nineveh believed God. Uh, so they believe his word. And the word is simply a message of, hey, Nineveh is going to be overthrown and destroyed, you know, lest you repent. And, um, you know, 
John can make, probably speak into this better, but it, it, it seems like when you read the commentators, they, they talk about the Ninevites repenting of two things, evil ways in general and violence or specific defiance of the law. So it's not only an acknowledgement of their just general depravity or evilness, it's they're repenting of specific things. And I, I just remember being, uh, as I preached it, just asking the question, you know, church, when was the last time you've truly grieved over your sin? Not just sin in general, but over the sin uh, that you in particular struggle with or exercise on a daily basis. And um, it's just a, it's a, the comparison between Nineveh and Jonah is really striking here. Don, things you would add? No, I think to, to, to Matt's point, I think you, you do see this in the prophets, uh, and I'm thinking of uh, specifically Amos, where the nations are indicted and are repenting for w- w- what we would call probably like crimes against humanity or just just things that, that, that generally most cultures and peoples see as, as wrong and evil. And so violence is mentioned here. And so you have like in Amos, when he's setting up the people of Israel, he's, he's talking about all the surrounding nations and he's saying like, you got, you guys slave trade or you ripped open pregnant women or like, and then, and then when he gets to Israel, it's, it's, you didn't obey the Torah, right? Like he's, he's going through specific things there. And so that's, you do see that here. And I'll just say to, to, to Matt's point, I, when I'm preaching Jonah, obviously the, the Abrahamic covenant is going to be uh, part of the background of Jonah and God's, God's desire to bless all the nations there's two there's two interesting things I just to that point Matt made, which I thought was a really interesting point of God and Jonah wanting the same thing for Nineveh to be overthrown. There's two ways that Israel is in the in the prophets are are foretold that Israel is going to relate to the nations. The one is they're going to bless the nations, and the second is they're going to dominate the nations. Uh, they're going to subdue the nations. And you have here you have here a glimpse of the way that that works out in the Great Commission, which is the nations subduing themselves <laughs> under the God of Israel. And that, that's what we do. Like, we're all on this podcast, we're all Gentiles who have voluntarily bowed our knee to a Jewish king, right? And so so we are subdued under the king of Israel, and we are being blessed because of it. Uh, and so you see those, those two things kind of coming together here in Jonah. Josh, we'll swing back around to you. Uh, so Christ-centered connections, how did you kind of point forward to Jesus? And then we'll talk application from there. Well, certainly a passage that focuses on judgment and repentance throughout points us to Christ and our need to repent of sin lest we face God's judgment. A, a couple other ways that I pointed to Christ. One was in verse 1 where it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, the second chance um, I actually brought up the story of the prodigal son, and one of the beautiful parts of that story is, in his grace, the father gives him a second chance. Even though he rejected the father, in essence told him, I wish you were dead, the father still gives him this opportunity. And so just the beautiful picture of grace that comes there. And then the 40 days, 40 days till it's overthrown. This is significant in biblical literature. You have the 40 days of um, judgment in the time of Noah and the flood, and then you have Christ in the wilderness, or you have Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, then you have Christ for 40 days um, in Matthew 4. And so all of these pictures, right, are at least the first three are times of judgment, um, 40 days until the judgment comes, and yet Christ, he enters the wilderness for 40 days, and because he does, we're able to escape judgment. 
And so I, I think there's just a glorious picture there of the Christ in our place, um, taking our judgment upon us so that we can be forgiven. Mm. Matt, come to you. So uh, other things you would add as far as Christ, uh, Christ-centered application? No, I, I think what Josh has said was great. And I do, again, back to the whole comparison between Jonah and Nineveh, it's interesting that God gives Jonah uh, all these chances. He's showing him all of this grace, and yet Jonah does not want to show any of this grace uh, to uh, to the Ninevites, right? He doesn't believe they're deserving. And um, I do think just the, the grace and mercy of God is on display in this passage, and you see this rebellious prophet who doesn't want to show that same mercy and grace to others. I mean, uh, chapter 3, what is it, verse 10, where it says that God saw what they did in Ninevites, their repentance, right? And um, how they turned from their evil way. And God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and did not do it. I mean, I kind of want to throw this one to John and let him work this one out. You know, what does it mean uh, that God relents there? And and how do we work that out? Um, because God is immutable. He's not changing. And yet some people read this and think, well, you know, why is God changing his mind here? How do, how do we work that out? So uh, and I'm just curious. I'm just going to throw it to you. He's over there smiling. So <laughs> he's like, no, no. I think so. I mean, it's a very difficult question. Yeah. Um, I think I think that we have to understand there, there are there are places in the Bible. We, we've got a whole text together. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if we if we systemize systematize too much, then we're going to we're going to cancel out some text. So there is very clear. The Bible says God is not like a man. He does not change his mind. There are pl- there are times when God seems to change his plan or has a plan that is contingent upon human action and 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 re- human responsibility. And so you have uh, you have places where you know to me it would it would seem like God's intention was always to save Nineveh, and that the preaching was the means by which this was going to happen. Right, and so he. He 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 would you know he would certainly do it if they didn't repent. But he all, all along he was going to use this to to draw them to repentance. Uh, would be kind of the way I would I would kind of answer it. But I do think that again I just what I tell people all the time. I had to answer this question on a podcast um, last week with our younger brother Tim. I mean there there are clear texts about the bigness and sovereignty of God and everything happens according to his uh, you know his ordained will. And yet humans are humans make real decisions that have real consequences and that really matter. And both are true. And I try to hold those together as as best as I can. Yeah. And I think so. To go to your point the the preaching of the message is was God's intent the entire time that Nineveh would repent. Right. And so I think when when I read the idea of of, of God um, relenting. Um, I see that being driven by compassion, which I think is what the the Hebrew kind of hints at, like, right, this God has compassion on the people as they repent. But at the same time, like, there's this call to be very clear that there's a warning of judgment coming. And um, I, I think as far as application goes, I do think this is important for us in a in in our society, like the the culture we live in. Uh, it's not it's not readily accepted to to be forthright and clear about judgment and repentance, and yet this is the means that God often uses to bring people to to Himself, right? And and, it, and sometimes if we're not if we're not forthright and clear about judgment and and what's to come, um, we're not being faithful to what God has called us to do. And so 
I do think when it comes to preaching the gospel, we have to be clear about sin and hell and judgment that, that faces people. Um, and that, that, that draws forth the repentance of, of people when they are moved by the Spirit to see God's mercy and grace. And so that's, I, I did talk about that a little bit in chapter three as well as I was preaching to my own congregation. This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. Zonovan Bibles has partnered with the Passion Movement to bring you an accessible study Bible with features designed to help you meet Jesus throughout the scripture. With over 1,000 articles and essays written by contributors like Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, this study Bible is written so that you may know him more intimately, love him more passionately, and walk with him more faithfully. The full Jesus Bible has been changing lives since 2017. And now, select books of the Jesus Bible are available as individual Bible journals. The handy size and ample space for taking notes make these Bible journals an ideal one for group study or personal devotions. Chronicle your own journey of faith as you discover Jesus as the lead story of the Bible in five Old Testament books and nine New Testament books. There was never a moment before Him. There will never be a moment without Him. There is no BC. Find out more at thejesusbible.com. Hey, Josh, uh, John, I'll come back to you for Christ's application, but Josh, how did you handle the relent aspect of the text? Do you think you'd I think add it's there? just, not really, it's just the, it, it's connected to what Nineveh did, right? And so I think it's more poetic. They turned from their way. God relented from the message of judgment. So I think if we understand it within the context it's written, it's not saying God changed his mind, but simply the message that he had he had taken to them or he had sent to them, he he turned from that just as they turned. So, yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. the passages John talked about are very clear and understand this is a poetic use of of showing how their decision, um, God God received that and from it, he, he forgave them. So I, I wouldn't overblow it. I think, too, I think that it's very clear that the way God operates is that he has he has to judge sin, and so repentance. So 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 repentance is always, uh, in some ways, going to bring this as as you know you call it the the poetic aspect of it. I mean, when when we are going, we are headed towards hell, right? We are we are dead in our trespasses and sin. We are uh, under condemnation, and that's going to happen. And then when when we repent and believe in Jesus. It doesn't happen. <laughs> so, uh, and what's interesting here to me is the, is to juxtapose this with with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, because again, you do see that Matt. Do you see God has incredible compassion where where a- Abraham's able to intercede and to bring him down? I mean, talk him down. I mean, just it's amazing text. But it's it's certain that there, there's not going to be that many righteous people in Sodom, and even the people that are that are given the means of escape, half of them either look back or don't leave. Yeah. The compassion and the heart of God here in this chapter is amazing to me. I mean, just it's, you know, God it reminds me, God desires for all to come to repentance. And here you just see when the people turn from their sin, God turns his wrath away from them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a message that carries over even today. Good. John, things you would add on Christ Center Connection? I really wouldn't add much here because I, I just like Josh, I think I just take the, took this as, and I preached it as kind of a, a, a type of a saving event, you know, in the, in the old Testament and the, and the climax of that is the cross. 
of, of Jesus Christ. And so kind of that, you know, the, the, I come back again and again, I think to that quote that, that Jesus, uh, the, the people of, of Nineveh repented and so they're going to stand in judgment um, on you. So, so it just, to me is a type of God's mercy and, and uh, salvation through judgment. Josh, all right, so let's let's make application. Um, how do we make this clear for our folks? How did you apply it to your, your folks at Redeemer? Well, certainly there's a call throughout to repent of sin. And so that's one you're making just throughout the sermon. Um, and so that's going to be the dominant application. Maybe some other smaller applications. Uh, one is, I think it's interesting that there are three things in Jonah that are called great you have a great storm, you have a great fish, and here you have a great city. And we've already seen the great storm and the great fish. They res- they obey God, right? He sends the storm, he sends the fish. And so it's almost prepared us for what Nineveh is going to do before we even find out. Like, oh, something that looks so impressive and looks so mighty, like it will do what God calls it to do. And so I think there's a beautiful picture of just God's, not only his mercy, but his sovereignty, that nothing is too big for him, um, whether it's a fish, a storm, or an impressive city. You got, great, would be, you got great storm, great fish, great city, then what's chapter four? Great God? Oh, that's pretty good. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> Do you come up? I'll preach in a few weeks. We can say I, that. Okay, that's good, because I'm... I'm preaching in a few weeks. I might take that. So if you think of something better, let me know. Well, you don't have four points in a sermon, so you just need the three. <laughs> just need three. That's right. <laughs> the poem. Just write a poem for chapter there you four. Go. There you go. <laughs> uh, another application would be that uh, that the hope for any nation is repentance and believing the gospel. Um, that sometimes we get so distracted by all these other things. Like here's a nation, wicked, evil, about to be destroyed, and they're delivered through repentance and faith. And like this is this is the pattern. Um, we get just so exercised about so many things when we forget this is this is the main thing. Hmm. Matt, what about for you guys at Fairview? How did you make application here? Uh, very similar to what Josh has said, but um, I, I also. I really honed in on the the idea of being forthright and calling for repentance because um, I do think that's an issue in our culture. We we tend to shy away from that, and the and the argument simply was that really the most loving thing you can do is warn people of judgment. And often we think, well, that's not the most loving thing to do is to judge or to 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 warn people of judgment, right? Because that that's going to hurt their feelings or or not affirm their personal identity, but. I think just being forthright is the most loving thing you can do if it's true, uh, because you are literally warning them of the judgment to come. And uh, you, you see Jonah go through this process where um, he comes to the place where he realizes this is what he has to do. And I think in some ways we're leading our people to that in that same process. This podcast is sponsored by The Pillar Network. If you're the pastor of a revitalization or a replant seeking to lead your church towards healthy Baptist ecclesiology, you should consider The Pillar Network. Learn more about their DNA and what partnership looks like by visiting thepillarnetwork.com. Again, thepillarnetwork.com. John, what about you? Yeah, very similar to both. I I did, so what I kind of did was, um, I I think I came up with this on my own. I don't think I stole it from somebody else. Um, 
is four biblical truths that were taught in the passage. As I kind of walk through the passage, the first is God loves the whole world and desires their salvation. And so we're talking about the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, two, we must share the message in order for people to be saved. Uh, three, no one is beyond the reach of this loving and saving God. And so I reminded them of the viciousness of the Ninevites. We're talking about their, their great evil and violence. And then four, God is good at saving all the peoples of the earth. And then, and then I kind of had application points based off of those four truths. And those were, as, as has been said, repent of your sin, believe the gospel. Uh, I kind of go, like Jonah had to go to Nineveh, right? And so we need to go to where people are uh, to share the gospel. And then uh, I definitely... Um, utilized kind of what Matt was talking about. He's talking about forthrightness. I, my action step was lovingly call sin, sin, and don't mm-hmm. shy away from that. Uh, never give up on tough people uh, and don't, and don't give up on tough people groups because God's going to save them. He's going to save some from all. Um, and so that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I did is I, so I um, just looked at the, you know, God's heart and mercy for the world. And then how do we, either receive that if we're not a believer or then take that to others. Brothers, anything else y'all would add to, to Jonah three before we kind of shut down? It's always leaves an awkward pause in the podcast when they all shake their heads. No, but um, all right, brothers, thanks so much. Obviously covered Jonah three this week. And then next week we will finish up with Jonah chapter four. Uh, so be uh, checking out the podcast, sharing rate review. And we appreciate you listening to the Tri-Centered and Clear podcast. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or text you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.